All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Pastor Mike takes a break from Sunday school for a few weeks. It's a it is like a dreadful honor uh, to fill in his shoe for a couple of Sundays. I say dreadful because I know that uh, I'm going to be held liable to whatever I teach, and I'm going to be held to a higher standard. And I know that again we get stricter standard, right? especially in presenting uh, God's Word, but an honor also, though, to be able to uh, teach uh, the body, uh, serve the Lord in this, uh, what God, the capacity that God has given uh, me. So, uh, as we know, though, Mike had been uh, teaching uh, in First Corinthians, and when Mike uh, asked me to, uh, if I can cover him for a couple of Sundays, and uh, whatever God lays in my heart. So 1 Corinthians actually was the first one that uh, came to my mind. Uh, not because he was doing it though, but because 1 Corinthians is near and dear to my heart. Uh, as, uh, as we know, though, Paul had been dealing with the uh, issues in the church. And uh, 10 years ago, uh, uh, this uh, book though has been very convicting for me uh, because as a new believer and coming from a church who has some issue 10 years ago, we, we first were looking for a church, and we came to this church, and the first Sunday school that we attended, there were several adult Sunday school here, the first Sunday school, guess what they were teaching on? First Corinthians. And uh, I just don't remember who was teaching us, I don't know if Mike was, or Eric, I wasn't sure who was. Who was? Yeah, so I wasn't sure, because we were new uh, at that time. Uh, but of course, I'm not going to do 1 Corinthians. But what God laid into my heart, though, is something actually that Paul has been dealing with also uh, uh, and uh, has been mentioned in the, his first epistle uh, through the Corinthian church. So in the first letter of Paul in the Corinthian church, though, Paul uh, was addressing the unspiritual and immoral condition of the church, as we know, though, brought about by the carnality of the church mindset and uh, uh, lack of discernment and immaturity, I mean spiritual immaturity of the Corinthian believers, causing discord uh, among the church people. And because of this one also, though, several other issues like emerged from this one. So for the next couple of Sundays, I'm just going to be, uh, actually it's like a, a supplemental study on the, uh, the work of, uh, Mike is doing. Uh, but a very important issue, though, that the church, that Paul all has always addressed and even addressed or even brought up in the whole book of the New Testament, except Philemon. So that's how I knew the answer of John last, <laughs> last Sunday. And again, this is not planned, but this is what God laid into my heart. And again, uh, Pastor John has just actually like, laid out the foundation of uh, today's uh, uh, topic. So it's a more, more specific topic on false teaching and false teacher. So, but a very important issue. Again, if you uh, uh, ask anyone, though, to do a research study on the whole New Testament book, and the most prominent issue, the one would come into conclusion that it is false teaching and false teacher will be the main uh, prominent issue. So, uh, again, it has been brought up in the whole book of the New Testament from the warnings that Paul or uh, other writers of the Bible has mentioned to 
the encouragement though of how to really how we should be diligently studying God's word and dividing God's word correctly. So and teaching it correctly. So uh, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, our gracious and merciful God, thank you so much again for today, O oh Lord. Thank you, O oh Father in Heaven, for bringing us here safely in this house of worship, O oh Father, that again, we can worship you, we can uh, study your words and fellowship uh, with other believers. Lord, we ask you, O oh Father, uh, may you be with us again today as we study your words. May your Holy Spirit guide us, Lord, teach us, O oh Father in Heaven, Lord, that we may truly understand uh, your words, O Father in Heaven, and help me, O Father in Heaven, to bring up your words correctly, O Lord, as we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So our main passage for uh, this one, well, my title that I put in is Doctrine, Doctrine, Doctrine. The identification, the inclination, and the implication. So, again, just going by the tradition, and actually putting in some points, guides me to like actually make it more organized. So First uh, Timothy, uh, starting in uh, verse three up to uh, eleven. This is chapter one. First Timothy, chapter one. So I'm just going to read this. Most of the uh, uh, version that I use here, uh, ESV. As I urge you, when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote, devote themselves to myth and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience in a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about what they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understand this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God in which I have been instructed. So, uh, first point though is the identification. So when Paul uh, wrote this, uh, to this first letter to Timothy, uh, he was, we know though that he was already uh, out of the Roman prison. So he's been traveling again, uh, and I think he visited uh, Ephesus again. And uh, this time though, actually Paul uh, have identified a problem in the church. So that's why he was writing this to Timothy and urging Timothy though to actually, uh, and encouraging him to stop this, teaching that is going on. So it is going on already in the church to actually to uh, uh, point out, to call out these individuals. So Paul might actually know this certain individuals that he said uh, who was teaching uh, incorrectly. So he wants uh, Timothy to uh, address this uh, problem in church 
And it is a very important issue, as again, as I uh, started earlier, though. So, uh, as we know, though, uh, Timothy, uh, when Paul wrote this one, though, was still a young and uh, timid pastor. So, and basing on what Paul has been describing him, and also in other letters, uh, Paul describes uh, who Timothy was. And Timothy actually might really need some encouragement, though, especially in confronting like other people and uh, in dealing with church issue. So that's why he's like really encouraging uh, Timothy here. And uh, we see, though, in other verses, Paul also wrote in the uh, Church of Corinth. He said there, uh, he instructed the church, though, and First First uh, Corinthians sixteen ten. He said, if Timothy comes. See that he may be with you without fear. So for he does the work of the Lord and as I also do. So we kind of know a little bit of like uh, the character of uh, Timothy though. He needed some encouragement though. It went, uh, his instruction to the church was to actually make sure that you make uh, Timothy comfortable. Put him at ease. Help him. For again, he works with me. Timothy works with me. So he's uh, giving an instruction and he also keeps on giving encouragement to Timothy. In the second chapter of Timothy, uh, this is what Paul told him though. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, not of timidity, but of power and love and self-control. So this is in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 uh, verse uh, 7. So it did not say here in this, uh, uh, the passages that I just uh, uh, read that Timothy was refusing to like address this problem or it doesn't say that he did not knew about the problem so probably he knew about the problem though but he just he did not address it but he did not say that he is not addressing it so that's why Paul really need to encourage him and urge him to do this one to do some correction because this is happening already in the church uh, in Ephesus and we might say well this might not be applicable to us here and uh, Bible Baptist, though, we have pastors and elders who are biblically strong, have strong background. And uh, thank God we constantly are bombarded here with the truth of the scripture, right? But as we know, Timothy also, though, actually had a strong biblical background, right? Timothy was raised by uh, a godly mother and a grandmother. He actually was discipled by Paul. He went around with Paul and uh, several of his uh, Paul's missionary journey. So we know uh, Timothy has a strong biblical background also. But even still, though, Paul have been strongly encouraging him and warning him to persistently, again, study the word of God, be diligent in it, and watch your life, how you practice your word, how it is like manifest in your life. He's constantly warning uh, Timothy of this one, though, because, again we can easily be like deceived and we don't know. Uh, do you see that person in the back? Uh, I'm just kidding. So, but again, we can easily be deceived though. And, and again, the Bible also just says that one though, that again, uh, false teachers will come from among you. And uh, so that's why he is, uh, and again, complacency as we know though, it just opens up door for the enemy, for us. So... And uh, in the account of uh, in the account of Luke, going back uh, to Acts, we see here though that 
Paul had already warned them before this. In Acts uh, chapter uh, 20, uh, Acts chapter 20, from verse 25 to 31, this is what Paul says, though, when he met up with the elders of Ephesus, and this is kind of his farewell uh, uh, message to them and a warning uh, to them because he knew that he knew that he was not going to see them again. So this is what he said. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your sobs will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish everyone with tears. So it's kind of like Paul is giving a prophetic uh, uh, warning to them, though, that it will, this is coming. And uh, unfortunately, it did happen. Because now, after all these years, though, uh, Paul now is in Macedonia when he wrote uh, this letter to uh, Timothy. After all these years, he again noticed that, again, there is a problem there now in church. It's lurking in there. False teachings have been lurking already in church. So it did happen. Uh, he was warning them here and uh, uh, in his last uh, meeting with the elders, and now it's happened. That's why he's telling Timothy, you must stay there in Ephesus and address this church problem. So, again, as we see, though, the early church... Uh, has been pastored by apostles, yet we see these things happening, right? So when we think that this can never happen to us, that's exactly what the enemy wants us to think, right? that it can never happen uh, to us here. So we will never be immune from this one. No. So again, uh, reminders though in Proverbs, it says, For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroy them. And again, it says here also that they bring in destructive heresies. So it causes discord, it causes division in the church. And it causes more other problems uh, in the church because you know how important a right teaching is, right? A right teaching shapes our mindset. It uh, uh, shapes our worldview, biblically. And again, how our belief will actually also reflect on how we act in life, how we live our life, right? based on what we believe. So if we believe incorrectly, then we respond incorrectly also to the world. Even in worship of God, if we believe incorrectly, our worship also will be incorrect. Right? Even if we are so passionate in the Lord, that passion will just be empty if we believe incorrectly. So that's how important it is, though. But we go more on it when we get to the uh, inclination, uh, to the uh, implication of it. And besides, if we are being honest here, though, many people here don't get all their teachings from the church, right? How often do we hear a sound 
doctrine here in church and discuss God's word here as a body. Right? Many of us during the week, though, we do uh, our own devotionals from different authors, and that. I'm not saying that it's bad. Uh, we listen to teachings and preachings from other preachers in the radio, podcasts, uh, social media, and Twitter, and uh, even actually, though, we listen to the posting of our friends. Right. So if that's our what our feeding is, but how do we know if it's correct or not? How do we even know? That is correct. Because again, I think all of them will sound really good. So how can you identify if it's incorrect uh, teachings? Because we're feeding ourselves. We're constantly feeding ourselves. And again, we say that we might not be, well, we're not going to be teaching. But in some shape or form, we are all teachers, actually. We teach our kids. We teach our brothers and sisters, our neighbor, we might, teach, we might not teach them by words, but we teach them by our actions. How we live our life is teaching them. It's showing other people around us though. And again, it should reflect what we believe, how we live our life. Right? So it is, uh, this issue is very important though. So how can we recognize a false teaching? And can we identify it when God's word is taught incorrectly? Well, again, we go back to the scripture. The only way to recognize and identify is to know the truth. Not the relative truth of these days, but God's truth. Amen. Right? So, uh, let's start with the obvious. In the first chapter of First uh, uh, Timothy, Paul, as we know, the, Paul ur- urges uh, Timothy to stop this nonsense, stop these uh, individual, individuals from teaching a different doctrine. In the last chapter of this letter, though, Paul warns again Timothy against people who teaches different doctrines and misuse God's word. So if anyone, uh, in 1 Timothy 6, uh, 3-5, he says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understand nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. So any teaching here that is contrary in a teaching that we hear that is contrary to the teaching of Jesus Christ is obviously false. Though. And again, some of them are very obvious. Some of them might come to our door, knocking on our door, and uh, offering you a different de- Jesus. They deny the deity of Christ. They redefine the person of Jesus Christ and pervert his purpose. They contradict Jesus' own word and misuse it for their benefit. They pick up some truth from the scripture, but again, add some false in it. They love to argue over words of the scripture, which just show their unwillingness to humbly receive the truth. Obviously, they're preaching the wrong Jesus, even though they're not advertising it as it is. And as obvious as they are, yet, people are still drawn to it. Right? Yeah, we say that they're so obvious, but still... People are drawn to it. So if it's that obvious, why are people drawn to it? Uh, in our country, though, there's two like, uh, uh, like a false teachers there that 
really obviously like teaching false doctrine, but they have millions of followers, millions, millions of uh, followers, even here in the United States. They have some followers here in the United States. One is claiming to be the Son of God, claiming to be Jesus Christ, and the other one is claiming to be the Savior of Egypt, is claiming to be the modern-day Moses. And these people are so rich, and they have their own private plane, and mansions and all this stuff. So obviously they're teaching the wrong Jesus, but still people follow them. So that's the problem. Uh, so remember, so how do we really know though? That's a problem. If we don't know who G- really Jesus was or Jesus is, then we are really prone to follow these people. So remember when Jesus was teaching his disciples in the region of Caesarea Philippi, it seems like actually Jesus was purposely doing this one. He took the disciples like on a, a tour, on a tour to their heart. He took them to the tour and surrounded by all these magnificent temples of idol worship. And then he asked these questions to them. In Matthew 16, 13, he said, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And he was asking this, surrounded by all this idol worship. So it's kind of, it's kind of, he's trying to compare himself with the religion of the world. So he's uh, uh, comparing it and see what they will answer. But actually, he was not really interested on what they would say, what the people say about him. But he was more interested on what would they say about him. Because he asked these questions in verse 15. But who do you say that I am? Of course, Jesus already knew uh, what their answer is. Uh, and he knew the disciples would not have a dif- uh, the same belief as the world uh, around them. And uh, while the crowds have flattering opinions about Jesus, they all sounded good. But Peter knew that he was incorrect. Right? All their answers, all the disciples were saying, what the people said about him were actually all good. He's a Messiah, he's like a, a prophet, he's a good teacher, and all this stuff are all good. But Peter knew that it was incorrect. So this is what uh, Peter answered uh, to Jesus. Simon Peter replied, this is in verse 16 and 17 and Matthew 16. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So again, his answer was really way different uh, uh, from the crowd. So any person inaccurately teaching, or any teaching, uh, inaccurately teaching about who Jesus is, no matter how good it sounds, again, is false. Any person who is inaccurately believed who Jesus is, believes in the wrong Jesus. The question Jesus asked his disciples should be directed also unto us. Right? So who do we say Jesus is? It should be directed to us also though. So who is Jesus to us? And if our answer is just going to be like the crowd, then we believe in the wrong Jesus. Then we will be easily drawn by these savage wolves that the, uh, uh, Paul is uh, saying here. Again, sometimes maybe uh, uh, unconsciously we got drawn to it, but sometimes because we hear it sounds so nice and sounds so good. And then we just, oh, maybe it's right because it sounds so good. Right? 
So the Apostle John also warns us as well. And he says here that to not assume that all this strange spiritual experience and display of spiritual phenomenon that we encounter, we see, are of God. So another thing that is very obvious, though, all these things, we see them in TV, we see them in uh, uh, other like uh, churches also. Uh, he says here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, he said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Alright? So it is in the world already. So, and I know we're not surprised about this one though. Because again, we see this a lot. But again, we need to know about this one. We need to be diligent about uh, studying God's word so we can identify it. So they may come up uh, not only as weird as we see them, but obviously false. But the problem is people are also easily impressed by signs and wonders. Right? They are amazed. People are amazed by the emotional experience that they don't bother to ask anymore if it's really from God. So to test the spirit, of course, of course, it's the responsibility of the elders here if it comes in the church, but it is all our responsibility to test the spirit. Right? Again, test the spirit how? Against the word of God. Right? Against the authority of the scripture. So, uh, how about the not so obvious? So, Second Peter, uh, chapter two, verses one to three. Uh, Peter says here, but there were also false prophets from among the people, even as there will be false teacher among you, you will who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. And bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive way. It says many will follow their destructive ways. Because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. The covetousness they will exploit you. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle. And their destruction does not slumber. So... Uh, when Peter was warning believers about false teacher here, though he was not implying of a possibility that it's coming, but of rather of certainty that it existed. It existed in the Old Testament. It existed in the New Testament period. So, and wherever God faces His people, the devil will also show in His minions. Right? The devil goes to church, also. So. Note that he said here, they are not only coming from the outside, but from among you. So even Jesus pastored uh, uh, his 12 men, but again, one of them was the devil's advocate, right? So again, we should not be surprised, and but we should not be uh, already lacking with warnings, so we should be diligent in this one. 
Because again, it is that important. So Paul also gave some prophetic warning. Again, going back, going back to uh, uh, the book of Acts, the one that I read earlier though, Paul says there that, And from among you, your own self, will arise man speaking twisted, twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So again, we know that unfortunately when uh, Paul was uh, uh, wrote, writing this letter to uh, Tim- Timothy, it has already begun uh, and spreading there uh, in the church in Ephesus. So this just goes to show though that when a false teacher comes from the outside, it will be more apparent. Thus, it is easier for us to detect them. It is easier for us to stop them, uh, to stop it uh, because uh, it's obvious, but if it's coming from within, it would be a little bit difficult to identify and deal with because they will come from within the body. And usually, they use clever and deceptive words uh, to draw people. So it's kind of hard to identify it and to recognize it if we don't really, if we're not actually uh, 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 taught by the truth. Of God's word, so because they will all sound, all of them will sound good, and will sound right. So, not but again, not all uh, who teaches God's word inaccurately or falsely do them deliberately. What I mean is that not all of them purposely uh, like teach like false teaching. So some actually uh, uh, does uh, so some do them in ignorance of the truth. Some does it because of inaccurate knowledge also of the truth and uh, from an, of course from an inaccurate teaching that they got also. So it just gets passed on. So again, uh, and uh, uh, later on I will give you some examples of this one though. But we know though everybody makes mistakes. Even the disciples, the apostles, they made a mistake also. Right again, but if there's a mistake, we need to correct them. Right? It doesn't mean that, uh, again, here our elders and pastors here are perfect. Again, we, if there's anything wrong, that's why there's elders also, uh, several elders. So again, if there's something that uh, we say or we teach that is wrong, that we correct them. Right? Because that's how it should be. Because, again, no one's perfect uh, here. So, now, though, I'm going to give uh, some uh, quotes here from. Uh, Quotes from famous uh, teachers and pastors, and from sermons, and from church uh, like websites uh, that I see, and see if you can identify. See if you can identify them. Just a warning, though, that uh, it might rub some of you uh, the wrong way, especially if you've been uh, listening to them and like uh, listening to their teachings for a long time. Uh, it might come up here. So, just a warning. But again, all this though, I really make sure that I did my homework and I, I can back it up here. So, I'm going to read some statements here. And uh, some of them are very familiar. Some of them are very obvious. Uh, okay, first one here and see if you can identify it. We believe in the power and significance of the church and the necessity of believers to meet regularly together for fellowship, prayer, and the breaking of bread. This is actually a statement of the church. And a very famous church, though, 
statement of the church and see if there's a problem with that one. It sounds what? Sounds like it agrees. It agrees? With Acts. Did you say agree? With Acts. Oh, Acts, yeah. Actually, this is coming from Acts. This is in Acts uh, 2. Yeah, this is in Acts 2. But, is there a problem here, though? Yes, let me say. Doesn't mention Christ at all. Doesn't mention Christ? Yeah, the the focus is lost there, right? But open up to Acts two, uh, Acts two, verse forty-two. Exactly. <laughs> You got it, Sean? Can you read? They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So what, what is missing here? Could you repeat it? No. Oh, this one. Okay. We believe in the power and significance of the church and the necessity of believers to meet regularly together for fellowship, prayer, and the breaking of bread. Apostles' teaching. Exactly, a very important part here. Actually, it's the first part here that, uh, that, again, do not neglect the apostles' teaching. They took out teaching here, the apostles' teaching. So it's just more of a, actually, a gathering, a regular gathering, right? This becomes more of a just meeting and then party, like regular gathering, right? But this is coming from a very big church, actually, a very famous church, and I'm going to mention this one. Yes, Ms. DJ. What bothered me is when I first, the first thing I heard that I said, it sounds right, but then it says, the power of the church, not the power of Christ. Mm-hmm. And again, you can tell also, though, by what they are teaching, by inner reflection also of the teachers and the church. Because again, a, a church cannot as grow, grow as like a, a more than a teacher or like a, so whatever is being taught, that's the only thing that the people absorb also, right? So we see them and their leaders. This is actually from Hillsong Church. So again, and we see again, besides this one though, I can actually give you a lot of the uh, teachings and quotes that actually is like non-biblical, that uh, sway away from the word of God. And Again, I'm not trying to like, uh, but I'm just actually uh, making a point here of again some of the things that are so sound, so good, feels so good, but again, inaccurately teaching though, and you see, you see it if you look at the leaders and uh, how the people live their life also, because again, it, it will reflect. So another quote here. If you were raised on a version of Christianity that relied on the Bible as the foundation of faith, a version that was eventually dismantled by academia or the realities of life, maybe it's time for you to change your mind about Jesus. Maybe it's time for you to consider the version of Christianity that relies on the event of the resurrection of Jesus as its foundation. If you gave your faith because of something about or in the Bible, 
maybe you gave up unnecessarily. It kind of wrong, then it kind of sound okay, and then kind of wrong, and then. Yeah. Well, but again, would you be able to recognize this one though? Would you be able to recognize if you're just hearing this one? This is actually uh, from a, a famous pastor. If you're just hearing this one though, would you be able to. Re- oh. Oh, okay, and you just go along with it, and you won't even have, like, uh, 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 in your mind to, like, really, did he say that one then? And then, then dig up for yourself. So, because it actually, it, and this pastor actually is uh, a very charismatic uh, pastor. Oh, sure. <laughs> so what's wrong with that one? What's, what's wrong with this one? How can you separate the resurrection from the Bible? It's, it's, I got it. Saying the, the emotion of the resurrection, and not, not the, yeah. you know, not what the word says about it, but how you should feel about it, and mm-hmm. you know, the Bible kind of draws you away from that because now we can't enjoy the resurrection because the Bible. So mm-hmm. that's what it sounds like to me. It's yeah. Like Andy Stanley, but I don't know who you're going to say. It sounds like it, it sounds also like he's he's saying change versions. It'll change everything. Mm-hmm. You know. And then you wonder, wait a minute, which version are you talking about? Mm-hmm. He's giving authority to exactly. academia over the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said that, you know, it's been dismissed by academia. Mm-hmm. So it's like, where's the authority? Scripture, where is that? Yeah, but again, it, for like maybe for many of us though, this sounds obviously like uh, uh, wrong, but again, it can draw other uh, people also though, because again, us though, people, I mean, our nature, we are easily actually like, if there's something new that, oh, that's, that's kind of new, that's good. We, we seek for something like a new and exciting. And this is kind of actually, this preacher is like, kind of like uh, his like style of like teaching though, like new ideas, new things, like kind of like that. And swaying away from the scripture. Well, didn't, didn't he say if you read something in the Bible that causes you to change your ways Maybe you don't have to. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like again, yeah. He, even he says here that maybe you gave up unnecessarily. If you gave up your faith because of something about or in the Bible, maybe you gave up unnecessarily. Right? So, again, Jesus would have answered uh, this guy, though. If, uh, well, I'm just like, like uh, resuming, though. You know, a famous quote from the Bible, from Jesus, though, he would have said that, have you not read? Right? right. He would have said, have you not read? Read what? Again, read what? Of course, the scripture, right? Jesus Christ has quoted a lot of the Old Testament, right? Jesus Christ uses the scripture actually to, again, uh, uh, when Satan was actually tempting him, he uses the scripture. Well, Jesus Christ is the word himself, Right? And then he is like uh, kind of suggesting here is that maybe you should like sway away from like really the teaching of the Bible. You just focus on Christ's resurrection. But again, you go back to Christ's resurrection. Yeah, okay. And then, but again, there's still something wrong. If there's, if it's true with some false on it, what do you call it? False. Right? No, it's, <laughs> it's false. Right? It's false. It's, of, of course it's false, right? Because it's, it's already uh, tainted by false. So even if it's a little bit of false in it, it's false. 
right? You can't argue it, but it's false. So, this is, do you know who this one is from? Andy Stanley. Uh, again, I said it's, uh, some of them are obvious because this is the kind of teaching that Andy Stanley actually, well, before though, he used to be really, uh, uh, re- teaches really good that I don't know what happened. He's kind of changing things to a new generation kind of thing, preaching. So, next one here. Uh, I think we still have time. We believe that God wants to heal and transform us so that we can live healthy and blessed life in order to help others more effectively. Focus. Sounds good? Focus on the body. Mm-hmm. And uh, in continuation here, actually there is a continuation. He said, God always wills to heal and that it means blessed equals health. Focus on miracles. And also, it focuses on the positive only, not even the negative aspect. Mm-hmm. Well, this kind of preaching actually, though, is prosperity gospel, what yeah. the teaching of the prosperity gospel. And this one actually uh, is. Austin? No. I know. Uh, this is actually uh, coming from uh, the pastor of Hillsong again. Okay. Brian, uh, something. Yeah. Again, yeah, yeah. Because if you look at this verse, though, it sounds so good. Yeah, didn't like doesn't like God wants us to be like uh, uh, healthy and like to be blessed, to be strong, right? Right? It sounds good, but again, check on Philippians uh, Philippians four twelve. What does Paul says there? Uh, go to Philippians four twelve. Do you have it, Rose? Can you read it? Yeah. I know how to be abased and I know how to, to abound. Everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Uh-huh. So what does prosperity gospel preaches, right? Everything is about your health and your wealth to be... Because actually, they said there on the website also that like God hates like poverty or something. So everybody has to be like wealthy and healthy and all that stuff, right? But it contradicts what Paul is saying. One more thing, uh, one more, because we don't have enough time. One more, I will continue it next week. Jesus came that we might have a more abundant life. He came to carry our weakness, our sickness, our pain, so that we can walk in total freedom, peace, power, and purpose. Same focus. Same, same what? Same focus. Same focus, right? On the horizontal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, this, this is what uh, Luke says though, in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Uh, so the focus here, again, is wrong. It's all about yourself, right? It's all what you can get. So Jesus came not to give us what we want, but to give us what we need. Right? Mm-hmm. This is actually coming from, you know, a very famous guy. Huh? Yeah. Joel Olsen. Right? Lakewood Church. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, preaching though. Uh, 
I have actually like more here, and then we'll continue. About one more, one more last thing. I think we still have one. Just one more thing, because this one though might. Uh, okay, one more thing. Sorry, sorry. Listen, first believe, because this is about salvation. First believe, believe God loves you and made you for His purposes. Believe God has chosen you to have a relationship with Jesus who died on the cross for you. Believe that no matter what you've done, God wants you to forgive. Receive Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. Receive His forgiveness of your sins. So I invite you to bow your head and quietly whisper the prayer that, I, that will change your eternity. Jesus, I believe in you and I receive you. If you sincerely meant that prayer, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. What's the problem there? There's actually a lot of things missing in there. But actually, if you're just listening to it, again, oh yeah, there's no problem with that one though. Yeah, he was right. Yeah, we give our life to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of problem actually in this one. Okay. <laughs> this one actually, uh, this one, you don't see repentance here. Uh, uh, you don't see sin uh, being actually like uh, uh, explained. What's the effect of sin? The wrath of God and so what happens here though, what happened to the for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Right? What happened to that one though? And what happened here though, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Right? And what happened to the, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what happened to all those actually basic things though, this is a presentation of the gospel. Uh, this is presentation of the gospel, but again, if it's presented incorrectly or even like missing stuff incompletely, then again, it's wrong, right? So there's, there's no repentance here because there's no mention of actually the sinfulness of man, though, that you are actually in God's wrath. And because of Jesus Christ, again, now you are righteous in God. But again, all those things missing because, again, they don't sound good. Those things actually, though, is not politically correct. When you mention those things, it's not going to be politically correct, but it is godly correct, right? But it doesn't sound good. It actually offends people when you mention it. That's why it's avoided here. It's all things that are good. But again, the good news, it's really hard to appreciate a good news if you don't really know the bad news, right? Because the bad news is not even mentioned here though, how sinful we are, what Christ did, us, did for us on the cross, right? The price of our salvation. So, uh, if, again, if we're not careful though, we can easily be drawn with this one though. And these are not only their quotes though, you can see a lot of them though, and not only that one though, you will see them in association with other false teachers. And if you just really dig up on them and study them, you will see that there is something wrong 
with their with what they're teaching and people. But these people are all famous people. Do you know who this came from? This is from a book, a very famous book. Who? Purpose Driven Life. Actually, yeah, you're right. Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren. But again, you will see them in associations with other false teachers. And if <laughs> you read it? No, no. Actually, we have that. Actually, we have that book also. <laughs> but again, again, we we are here. That's why we continue to learn. We continue. If that's why it's Paul is urging us here, though, to really be diligent in studying the word, to continuously study the word, so we can rightly divide the word and we can really live a godly life correctly. So that's what he is like emphasizing into Timothy. So. I'm sorry, time is up, but we'll continue next week for part two. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again so much, O Father in Heaven, for today, O Lord. Thank you for reminding us of how important it is, O Father in Heaven, to diligently, Lord, study your words, O Father in Heaven. How important it is to learn your words correctly, O Father, that again, we may not sway to those savage wolves, O Father in Heaven. So help us, O Lord. Help us to be diligent and uh, studying your words that we may know you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we may grow in our relationship with you, that we may grow in awe and reverend of you, O Father in Heaven, and that we may live a life that is honoring to you and pleasing to you, Father in Heaven. So Lord, uh, we ask all this through your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.